Welcome to a new episode of the Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. This week we are sponsoring Bitcoin, so of course we wanted to have someone from the company to join us. So please welcome Colin Hickey, that is the Senior Vice President of Operation at Bitcoin. Uh, do not forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We have fantastic guests every single Wednesday. Enjoy the show. Hey, Colin, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, I'm very excited about, you know, this episode because it's, it's about Bitcoin. I attended last year. This year we're sponsoring. So I'm like, this is perfect, right? We're combining together, you know, like uh, a lot of things all together. But, uh, you know, usually what I, what I, what I, do, what I do, like, you know, at the, at the beginning of the, each episode is like going a bit more about yourself, right? And tell a bit, you know, about your background, how you got into Bitcoin also, and then we're going to more about the company itself. But uh, tell us a bit, like, you know, how did you get here? Is it like, you know, your background still, like, you know, from social media? Did you do something different at the beginning or, you know, more about your journey? My journey here is actually a, a, a weird one. Um, so I was an Air Force brat growing up. I moved every two years. Uh, when I got out of high school, I moved to Wyoming to go to the University of Wyoming. Um, and dropped out after like six months uh, to my mom's. Uh, <laughs> she wasn't too happy with me, um, but I didn't really enjoy higher education in that in that aspect. And so um, I was a music promoter uh, doing small house shows in Wyoming. And um, my oldest brothers moved to Montana, Missoula, Montana, where I live now and have been for 20 years. Um, and there was a venue, a music venue in, in Missoula that was looking for a promoter, someone to, to run the calendar there. And so I moved to Missoula in 2000 mm -hmm. and, um, took over this club and started promoting music. Uh, I joined a band that I was in for seven years. And, and so I spent a good decade there, uh, touring the country as a musician, I was booking music at three or four clubs in Missoula. I was booking national tours for bands based in Texas and DC and Chicago and Missoula as well. Um, so I started to kind of get into live events in the sense of through music. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, during that time, I uh, started a, a, a software startup, like an online event calendar for Missoula because I was promoting so much music. I wanted a place for people to, to find it all. Um, and this was, you know, early mid two thousands. So the internet was still kind of in its infancy to say the least. Um, and that was a big hit. And so a lot of people started using this calendar in our, in our local community. Um, and, it was a big hit, and I and I ended up ended up selling it to a company called NewS.net to to then make more of them. And so we um, worked for them. We set up calendars in Boise and Salt Lake City, Albuquerque, um, all over, and um, and that's where I met Hank Green, mm -hmm. who is the founder of VidCon. Uh, Hank at the time was at graduate school at the University of Montana, and uh, his teacher was my boss he was the one that started newest.net hmm. so i would see hank come into the office and uh and we became friends and and um newest.net was kind of ahead of its time it went out of business uh i bought back 
my my code for the for the for the calendar system, which I still now have this side company called Gatherboard, and we sell uh, online event calendars nationally, actually internationally as well. Um, so then I was doing that, and so that that went out of business, and then I was. Um, as I was touring in bands, I was also, you know, when you're touring in a band, you're not making a lot of money. And so you need a side gig, which is usually food service. So I was like a, a sous chef at a bunch of restaurants in Missoula. I was a banquet chef at a couple of hotels doing large events there as well. Um, I, then I got a job. I finally got out of food service and I got a job at um, the Missoula Downtown Association, which is the, you know, they put on all the big events in Missoula, the community events, so brew fests and car shows and, and Christmas parades. So uh, that was my gig for a couple of years, and I got to expand from just doing big concerts around Missoula to doing, you know, uh, a, a car show for 5,000 people, a brew fest for 6,000 people, and started to really get more, um, just getting more comfortable putting on large events. Um and at the same time, this is around probably 20, 20 or, or 2009-ish. Um, this is when, like, right when Hank started VidCon in 2010. And um, it started to get bigger for him. And I, I remember he was at my house at a barbecue. And uh, he said, hey, this VidCon thing that I started is kind of getting crazy. And uh, I'm really looking for somebody who has a VIP experience and marketing experience to help me with it. And I said, cool, man. Well, I will, I will keep my ear open for you. And if I hear of anything, I'll let you know. Uh, and then he left. And I remember that night sitting there with my, my wife saying, hey, I think I would be good for that job that Hank was talking about. And she said, yeah, I think you're the only one in the room who didn't realize that at the time. <laughs> he was trying to he was trying to get you to 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 say something. And so this was um, this would have been 2013. Um, so VidCon at that point was uh, three years old. And I, I texted Hank that day and, and I said, hey, I think I could be good for this job. And he said, yeah, no, duh like of course <laughs> come in and talk to me so that was the summer of 2013 um and i uh i, I put in my notice at the downtown association I, I flew to anaheim and that like two weeks later uh to go to my first vidcon in 2013 um and that the, the rest is history so it's kind of this weird arc of like music promoter and you just i've, I've had experience with so many different types of events coming into it. So I had a weird perspective, I think too. And I didn't really know much about online video except for following Hank, you know, when he started doing his vlog brother videos, I would always been, a, always followed him, but you know, I just kind of got thrown into it. And uh, that was all t almost 10 years ago. Wow. Amazing. No, it's very interesting that you said you, you got like, you know, the music experience and then the food and everything, because at the, you know, at the end of the day, it's everything combines together, right? Especially in Bitcoin, right? We have like so many demographics. We're going to talk more about that, you know, in, in a second, right? But it's interesting, right? That you have like all different angles, right? To get all together. And, uh, and uh, we'll ask you a bit more about that later. But uh, even before we get there in the, the, the detail, 
the both of us, we know very well, and you specifically, what is Bitcoin? But for anyone else there, you know, that might not either participate or maybe they are not from the industry. Just quickly, can you tell like what is Bitcoin? Sure, yeah. Um, so, you know, started in 2010 by Hank and John Green. And at that point, it was, YouTube was just this brand new thing. Mm -hmm. And these personalities started to come out of YouTube. You know, back in the day, it was cat videos and, and, and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, you saw people using the platform as a way to interact with and get fans. And so Hank saw it really early on that this was going to be a thing. Like, this was going to go somewhere. And his main worry was that there was, you know, there's going to be an event that brings everybody together to celebrate YouTube at the time because mm. it was the only real platform. And he was worried about someone doing it for the wrong reasons, someone making it a bad, a bad event for this and like doing it just as a money grab or something like mm. that. So he wanted to make a fun event that celebrated what he and his brother were doing. And, and he had seen a lot of other people doing similar stuff that like they were doing, like these early bloggers. So they started in 2010. Uh, and it was the first one was in the Central, Central City Hyatt Ballroom in a basement. There was like 1,400 people there. And a lot of these OG YouTubers were there. And uh, it was a hit. Like he, I remember he told me, he was like, I didn't know what I was doing. It sold out in the days. And so it was, it started as this kind of celebration of like YouTube specific, mm. you know, and then all these other sort of platforms started to come out over the years. And so we shifted for a while there to just be like a celebration of online video in general. Right. Um, and then even now we're even getting away from that term online video because we see it more as an online communities, right? We're, we're trying to celebrate online communities whether it's video, whether it's Discord or whatever, right? Like it's just a celebration of those communities um, that, you know, we've been based in Anaheim for their, our, that's our flagship show. Um, and uh, this will be year uh, coming up in June would be year 12 uh, in Anaheim. Um, we then, for the history of VidCon real quick, like Hank sold the company in 2018 to Viacom, um, which I was a part of that process. Um, so then there was this kind of cultural shift that we were worried about. Like all of a sudden we're not this, like we were all based in Missoula, the, 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 the old school team, you know, and all of a sudden we're owned by this big corporation and will they, will it change kind of like that kind of fun aspect of the show will we lose all of that and and viacom was great they really didn't want to mess with the secret sauce um and i guess before that but right before the purchase we did expand internationally we we were like we had so much interest globally for the show so we dabbled in that we went to australia for three years we did amsterdam twice we did um london twice and so when Viacom saw that, they're like, this is great. We're a global brand. You're trying to be more of a global brand. Let's, let's do that. And so um, we've been with, so then Viacom merged with CBS and then they rebranded to Paramount. Um, and they've been wonderful for us, to be honest. They've been, we have a lot of resources given to us to the show. They got a lot of iconic brands that were already at the show. Nickelodeon had been a sponsor of VidCon three or four years before we were purchased by Viacom, which was Nickelodeon, right? So 
um, that's kind of the story arc of VidCon um, from like this this humble beginnings of just kind of celebrating OG YouTube vloggers to now having, you know, multiple shows across the globe and every platform that you could think of um, represented at the show. Hey, quick break. This podcast is hosted by the Influencer Marketing Factory. We are an influencer marketing agency that helps brands and companies engage with Gen Z and millennials on social media. We take care of influencer identification, storytelling, creativity, negotiation, contracting, campaign management, error analysis, in-depth reporting, code and boosting, and much, much more. Are you interested in learning more? You can find us at theinfluencermarketingfactory.com or you can Google The Influencer Marketing Factory. What are some of the, the differences right now, like, you know, before, no, sorry, between like year one, okay, like, you know, just quoting you from your LinkedIn, it's like, you know, from a small fun event to a global megagon, right, with a significant impact on cultural and economic, uh, you know, stress in the, in the market. So uh, you said that, like, you know, Paramount was able still to have, like, still the same type of fun and the type of DNA, right? But if you have to think about, like, the first edition to, let's say, the latest one, um, how did it change it, like, in terms of, like, the industry? Because there are more creators, there are more followers, there are more meet and greets, there are more companies involved in the creator economy. Uh, what are some of the main differences that you noticed in the in the past years? Yeah, I mean, sheer size for one, right? You know, it went from fifteen hundred people in Anaheim to seventy five thousand. Wow. Um, but also just the way that the show worked in the beginning, there was always just like this fan track, which we call a community track, mm -hmm. which is really aimed at just the fans of the creators. They're there for just to meet friends, have fun see their favorite creator in a meet and greet, you know, and and then we introduced the industry track, which was like, hey, there's an opportunity here. If we're talking about online video and it's growing into this thing, we should have these people there as well to talk about the business of online video, which at the beginning there really wasn't business. There was no business of online video in 2010 really, but it started to become this thing. There was no creator economy, but now there is, right? So we introduced the industry track, which was a big hit. And then I believe it was like 2015, we started to see the split in our community track where there was the the diehard fans that wanted to be there to see their favorite creators and get autographs and selfies. And then there was also this other part of that track that they wanted to learn about how to become a creator. Like, hey, I'm interested in doing this. This is before what now we see with kids, you know, teenagers saying, I want to be a creator when I grow up. That didn't exist in 2015. 12 but we started to see it in 2014 and so that's when hank was like we need a track that is just specific for these folks that want to learn how to be creators um so we created the creator track then um and so now we have three tracks we have community track creator track and industry track and i think that was a big moment for us because we were one of the first people to groups event whatever to to notice that this is a thing that kids want to be now. This is, mm -hmm. this, this is, this is new. And now it's like probably one of the biggest answers when you ask a kid, I mean, I have a soon to be teenage daughter who, who would probably put this at her top five. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a big, a big change for us was that when that third track was, um, introduced, which is, which is great. And it really changes the, the dynamic of the show because, you know, you see that color of the badge and people identify with each other when they're like, oh, you're here for the community track. I already have this one thing in common with you. 
Uh, and so it's great to kind of see all those connections made on site. And because you have so different people, right? Different demographics. You have like kids, uh, you have like, uh, you know, like teenagers, right? You have parents uh, that are like basically going like as a family. Then you have business people that are there like, you know, to shake hands, right? And do maybe collaborations. Uh, uh, you have content creators from different ages. So what are some of the either challenges or like, uh, first of all, are there any challenges in organizing something like that with so different, like, you know, ranges in terms of demographics? And if so, how did you uh, manage those? Oh, there's so many challenges. <laughs> it's really like planning five shows in one. Yeah. And we also, you know, we call ourselves like a special snowflake because we're a conference, we're a convention, and we're a festival mm -hmm. all in one, right? Like you, you have to play the community track with the mind of like, what's going to be exciting for like an eight to 15 to 16 year old, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to plan the creator track with like, what do these people want to learn this year about the about the creator economy, and and then the the needs of that track are way different than the industry track. These are industry professionals who, you know, these are C-suite executives. These are marketing professionals, right? They're that demographic is wildly different than a ten-year-old who's yeah. there for a meet and greet. And then you got to think about the creators themselves, right? There's kind of the show within the show where we're bringing 350 plus. Feature creators to our show on top of another 400 invited guests, and we have to entertain them for four days. Right? They're they're giving away a weekend of their summer to spend with us in Anaheim, so or Mexico City or wherever. Um, and then yeah, you have the parents, you have our vendors, and so there's this constant juggling between all the teams at VidCon of like, you kind of had to take off the community track hat for a second, put on the creator track hat. And, and make sure that all of those demographics or just many communities inside the show are all going to walk away with something, right? Um, so it's not easy, uh, but I think we're getting, I think we're pretty good at it. And uh, in addition to different demographics, you also said that you expanded to other cities, right? So I'm also quite curious to know, have you noticed if there is any major difference in how creators and uh, their followers get together, let's say between, you know, Anaheim or Mexico City. Is there, have you noticed anything, even culturally speaking, when it comes to these type of events? Or were you able somehow de to like standardize it in a way where, you know, people still, you know, have the same expectation if they go to in like, you know, California or Mexico City or maybe other cities where you're like opening lately? Uh, that was that, that was a very interesting lessons for us early on when we first went to like Amsterdam and and Australia, mm -hmm. we did both of those that in the one year, and we didn't know what to expect because at that time, you know, in Anaheim, the energy of that of those young kids was was insane. It was like seeing the Beatles for the first time, and yeah. so we were like, "Wow, is that what's going to be like in Australia? Is that what's going to be like in Amsterdam?" And it was to an extent, like definitely, like the the fandom was there. I would say that they were well more well behaved than the U.S. kids. Um, uh, and then, you know, I think we've seen, like, we just did Mexico City for the first time last fall, fall 22, and we didn't know what to expect, and um, it was a su smashing success, and uh, and the energy of that of the kids at that show really reminded me of 
um, of like an old school VidCon of like a 2015 show. And and th no, they're there for all the same reasons, right? They're they're there to see the creators. They're there to see friends, to 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 meet new creators, to explore online online video. And so it's funny just to see, you know, now that we've been in so many different spots, it resonates across. Like, you know, a, a kid from Mexico City is so much more s similar to a kid in the U.S. or of our Australia because they're all kind of there for the same thing, the same reason. And um, it's, it's pretty magical when you actually see it to in all, in all those different cities around the world. And is there anything like really funny that happened to you? I'm, I'm curious like to learn if you have any fun stories that you can share with us, either in preparation or also like, you know, during the event, because again, it's uh, this combination between, you know, like a conference, but you also like a lot of uh, after parties uh, and so many different demographics. Is there anything that come to your mind that you would like to, to share with us? I usually remember the bad moments because it's <laughs> my job lands me more logistics and operations. So I have a lot of stories that I probably can't tell of uh, things that have happened behind the scenes. But I do remember one story, I think it was 2016. Um, we got an email in the inbox from a Hollywood agent saying, hey, our, we have a A-list celebrity that wants to come to your show. And they, you know, they can't be walking around with everybody else and they need special, you know, special pass. And we usually brush that off. We're like, sure, I'm sure you do, right? And I was like, let's just find out who it is. Like, you're right. And uh, and it was Mark Ruffalo. Uh, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo wanted to bring his son, who was a teenager, to the show. And we were like, of course. We would love to have Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. I'm a huge Avengers fan and everything else he's ever done. And yeah, he had like a 14, 15-year-old son who would love uh, gaming YouTubers that we would have featured at the show. So we arranged it for Mark to show up at one of the hotels next door where we have the creators at where we'd give him a badge. And I remember he showed up, just the sweetest guy you'll ever meet in your life. And um, and I was like, hey, I can give you this yellow badge, which is like the VIP badge. But if you're walking around, the kids, the fans see that color badge and they come to you because they just don't know who you are, but they know that badge color. So we're going to give you a crew badge because then no one will notice you, right? Um, and so for two days, he and his son walked around the show no one, barely anyone noticed him. And he would text me pictures of him and his kid jousting in the inflatable park. He was taking selfies in the Instagram lounge with, mm -hmm. uh, with creators because they recognized who he was. And it was like this hilarious 48 hours of Mark Ruffalo just having the absolute best time at VidCon with his son. And then all the creators noticing him. Like I have a picture of him and Hank Green uh, at, at one of the parties, you know, selfie and... So it was like one of those funny moments where also like one of the biggest A-list Hollywood celebrities could walk around our show pretty much no one noticing him because all these kids are there to see their favorite creators. And uh, and yeah, I just him texting me to thank you afterwards and just being like, wow, what a blast. I had so much fun. I want to come back again. And uh, so that's one of my that's one of my favorite VidCon like fun stories. Nice. The, the crew badge was a... Uh was a good idea, I guess, right? Because you're right. <laughs> it but, worked out well. Right. Even You're totally right. Even if, uh, I noticed that last year, even if, like, you know, you don't know necessarily the person, but if you see the badge, like the VIP, you go there for a picture. Just, like, you know, because you never know, right? Maybe someone is, is going to tell you, like, oh, that person is that person, like, oh, I got a picture, right? Or a video, so I can post it online. So 
that was a good call. And also, like, you know, I, what I like of Vidicon is that there are so many, like, after parties, right? And there are so many events, like, satellite events happening also around. Uh, you know, last year, I really liked, you know, the Mr. Beast, like, you know, the drive-through, um, you know, the Spotify and these and were, like, you know, the really amazing ones. So without, like, big spoilers here, but uh, is there anything that you can share with us? Uh, anything really interesting that is going to happen? I don't know if you can share, but if, if you can, is there anything? I could tease some stuff. Um okay. Yeah, I would say uh, YouTube definitely has an, a pretty impressive footprint that they're working on in the expo hall this year mm -hmm. that is going to really blow some minds. Um, Mars, as always, has been a longtime partner of ours, Mars Candy, and their booths have always just kind of set the bar really high of like what an immersive experience can be like, and they are not letting the foot off the gas this year. That booth is going to be pretty spectacular. Um and then last year, Squishmallows was like the big uh, talk of the town. Uh, actually, I brought my kids for the first time last year, and they were blown away by Squishmallows. Uh, Squishmallows is returning again this year uh, with a different booth, and it looks like a blast. That that line will be around the block or around the expo hall. Um, yeah, so there's definitely going to be some pretty cool footprints in the hall this year. I'm definitely excited, and it's really fun to see our sponsors try to outdo each other and uh, it's gonna be fun. Can't wait, can't wait to experience those. I do remember, yeah, the Squishmallow last year with the human claw. It was like big sensation. Everyone there, like every day, there was a big line. So I love it to see that. And uh, you also said about you know YouTube and you know just okay, like you know to to quote you from I think one of your you know latest interviews. You said uh, you know we look forward to seeing how you know you know YouTube can showcase the evolution of the creator ecosystem across all the three you know uh, different tracks. How do you think that, like, you know, um, YouTube, like, you know, uh, evolved in the past years? So what, what, what are some of the things that you like the most uh, um, when it comes to, especially, like, you know, the creator economy and maybe, like, you know, uh, a platform, right, for creators to still be able to not only talk to people, but actually to monetize also. So anything in particular that you like the most of, of YouTube these days? I mean, they're just so smart. They're always thinking of all levels. I mean, especially just one, just to stay at VidCon, they always think about all three of our tracks, right? They want to make sure that they're talking to the fans, the creators themselves, and also the industry attack track attendees. Um, and so, like, they're really smart of how, how they approach the show, which we always really appreciate. I mean, I think as a platform, they really made this creator economy th thing a thing, right? They were the first to say, hey, we're going to give you a cut of this ad revenue. And without that, I don't know if we would still be here, to be honest, right? And then, and then that also puts pressure on all these other platforms to step up a little bit and, and try to find ways to help creators monetize on their platforms. And so, you know, they're the trailblazer. They're the originals that they kind of made set this thing in motion and everyone else is trying to do similar things, which is great. I think that what they do is push other platforms to try to do similar things, which is great for those platforms. It's great for the creators. Um, just makes more of a diverse, um, just a, a diverse uh, what, what's what ecosystem when it comes to all these platforms. So they're wonderful. We just love always working with those guys. And in addition to YouTube, right? Because we said at the beginning when you guys started, the creative economy was not a thing. It was definitely not a you know this big you know like term that is used these days. And now, in addition to that, like you know after. TikTok and Instagram continue growing, and then you're like, you know, you have Discord, you have like, you know, like you have so many other channels, right? 
So the creative economy now, it's uh, what is also interesting, I would say that it's not just anymore the people in front of the camera, but also the people behind the camera, right? Video editors and people that help you with subtitles and people that help you with creating vertical clips for social media. So in your opinion, what, what is like, uh, what works so far in the creative economy? So what are some of the things that you think are like, you know, they are like properly done? And what do you think instead is missing out in terms of either opportunities or things that might be just being like doing better? I mean, when I think of the sheer volume of creators out there right now, right? And then also the sheer volume of platforms as well too. Like there's a new one every three months and some come, some, some flame out real quick, some stick around for a long time. And so I think one from the creator side of things is just, diversification of where you're at. Like you can't really just live on one platform anymore. You need to be able to be on multiple platforms in case one of them doesn't stick around, right? Um, but also you're bringing your, your, your audience with you. And so it's, it's making sure that you're not just putting all your eggs in one basket, as they would say, right? Yeah. Um, I think the platforms themselves have been really fun to watch because some of them are very niche. So they, they kind of figure out like, hey, this these platforms don't do this one thing. We're just going to concentrate on that one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and they do it really well and they do great. And so other platforms will see that and then maybe you want to copy that or, or whatever. So I think having more platforms is good because it, one, it keeps the other platforms, the ones that have been around for a while, to adapt and continue to make new features that help their creators. And so, you know, by having these um when you have competition it's going to make you think more about internally what you're doing and so these the platforms are getting better which then also serves the the creators really well and then by the creators living on more platforms they're also going to change their content a little bit more and which is good i think for their for their uh for their fans you know you're not kind of getting the same thing every 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 day which is and consistency is good from what i've seen but like I think being able to be on other platforms helps creativity. You could do some things on one platform that you can't do on others. So you're going to have more diverse content for your fans. Absolutely. I like that. And uh, also like, you know, you, you met like, I guess like, I, I cannot even imagine how many creators you met in your like, you know, life, you know, on, on, especially on Bitcoin. And um, Bitcoin has started right as a meet and greet, like, you know, I mean, these like, you know, this, this sort of like a physical space, right? Where you move from online to offline and you can actually have an even stronger connection, right? With your followers, with your community, with your audience. Uh, in your opinion, what are some of the best ways for content creators nowadays uh, that is like, you know, there is more competition, right? That is a bit more difficult sometimes to get maybe that type of relationship with people. What are some of the best ways to create a stronger relationship with, with your followers nowadays? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think also it's like, go to where they are. So like, I mean, if you're gonna, if you're again, like if you're just living on one platform, you need to find out where your fans are outside of that one platform. I mean, communicating, I think with your fans is probably very important. It's not always easy to read the comp to the comments, but also like having some sort of open dialogue if, if it's even possible sometimes to hear your fans out and and what they're saying first of all live events is great right um i think like newsletters i think having a discord i think just being on multiple platforms 
all of those ways are just different ways to engage with your audience. And then by if you're doing multiple things, you're able to see how the interaction is. You might have do, just be doing shorts, YouTube shorts, and you can see the interaction on these shorts are great, but I'm also getting great stuff on my reels or my TikToks or my snaps. And so the more that you get out there into different platforms, you could see your engagement and then you could say, okay, this worked really great with the fans here. This kind of content worked better when I just put it over on this platform. And when I plugged my newsletter and this one, I saw this many new subs on it. And so I think really it's just diversifying where you're trying to talk to your audience at. Mm -hmm. So like when you said about like Discord channels, I was in one from, you know, like a um, you know, famous YouTuber and uh, I saw that it's very interesting how you can really connect with your audience, right? In a way where you can actually ask, uh, do you like this thumbnail or this one? And based on like sort of sampling, right? You can go out with some of them, maybe people are going to like click on, right? Or like, you know, roast my video. And maybe you go out with that and you ask your community, hey, roast me on this one, right? But actually that, that connects you in, a, in another level, right? It's not just the typical audience that watches your video, but it's actually a little percentage, but the, those are the people that really care about you, right? Apart from just clicking yeah. on a video, those are the people for you, right? Yeah, when you create a safe space, whether it's Discord or another space, but it's a, it's a safe space where they, where your fans, your diehard fans, for sure, can come and also talk to each other, that's great. What a, that's the sense of community that we try to promote every year, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember when the pandemic hit, um, Discord was going to be a sponsor in 2020 for the for Anaheim and pandemic hit. We had to cancel everything and we decided to do VidCon now for that whole summer, which was our you know digital version of VidCon. And, and Discord came on board as one of our main sponsors and we created just a VidCon Discord and had you know, 10, 15,000 people sign up right away. Hmm. And it was so fun to create these sub channels inside there um, to see these these people come in and have these side conversations about, hey, this channel is just about this type of content. This channel is just about this. And all of a sudden, it was just really neat because everyone was there for the same reason they all love VidCon. And then under that umbrella, there was all these other ones. So that's I think if you could do that as a creator as well, you could really see your audience grow and also just like have a more intimate conversation with them absolutely no it makes sense and uh one last question for you that is last like a more open question is there anything else that you would like to you know um share with us today something that I, either i didn't ask you or something that you want to go a bit more in depth when it comes could be about bitcoin could be about the creator economy what excites you lately i mean i just i, I feel like our show um it really, every year it's, it's changing. Like the, the premise is the same. We're under the same building, right? And, but, um, but the conversation changes. Sorry, I have some crazy cats. Um, the conversation's constantly changing every year, right? And so like, we're, we're always trying to focus when it comes to programming on like, what is currently happening? What is trending? But also what's, what's coming down in the future? And like, let's try to get into our crystal ball and see what's 2024 going to be like what's working now, what's not going to be working then. And so it makes my job fun because I feel like every year is a little bit different. Um, and also the creators change. We try to bring in new new creators every year to, the, to feature. And so there's always just this sense of like, every year is different. My job is always changing. It's always fun. It's always going to be 
um, new challenges because who knows what platform will will pop up, you know, two months from now or what creator will pop up two months from now or what's the new trend going to be. And so mm. it keeps you on your toes, which I think is great because who wants to have a boring job? Yeah, no, I can see why it's, it's you know, like what I say all the time is like, you know, one one minute in the creator economy is like social, social media. It's like seven years, right, in, in any other type of industry. So I, I'm pretty sure that you will never get bored you doing this. Colin, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, you know, and sharing more about your experience. It's just crazy to think about like as a, like, you know, you met like Hank and, and, and it, it, this was just like, you know, a kid trying to do something and then it became this sensation and basically one of the most important, like, you know, events during the year when it comes to, you know, content creators. So thank you so much for sharing, like, you know, the background and your story with us today. Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. Absolutely. This was the Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. I'll see you next week.